Well, good morning. I hope everyone's doing well today. It was a joy to have our first Sunday school in months, and I appreciate everybody coming. Please know that you're invited to come next Sunday at 10 o'clock for that as well, and uh, give thanks to our Lord for all that He has done. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, we're going to look at Matthew 7, 21 through 23 today. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you of an interesting man that I met many, many years ago. He's deceased and with the Lord now, but... Uh, his name was Dr. William Marshall, and he was a, a very unique man. You ever met folks in life that are just different from everybody else? Dr. Marshall was. He was a chiropractor, and I used to call him on the phone even when we moved to Georgia. He was a great asset to my life. But I remember him more for, for one thing than anything else. Every time you'd call him on the phone, every time, without exception, you'd say, Dr. Marshall, how are you? He'd say, Best day of my life. You ever known anybody like that? They were known by a particular phrase. His phrase was, best day of my life. I don't care if it was a, a hurricane outside. Dr. Marshall would say, best day of my life. If you had to go back into your life, could you say you have a best day? All of us can usually remember the worst day. But can you say the best day of your life? Perhaps when you got married, perhaps when you had a child or got saved, whatever your day is. But today I want to talk about another day. And I hope it's the best day of your life. Because this day should be a day that should always be in our minds as we go forward. I've entitled this message On That Day because in this text of Scripture, our Lord peels back, if you will, the heavens for just a moment. And he gives us a glimpse into the future. A day that all of us will experience. It's a day that you can deny. Yeah, it's just pie in the sky. But it's a day the Lord Jesus spoke of. And it's a day that we should pay very serious attention to. Scholars disagree as to all the details. But we're just going to stick to the few that our Lord gives us today. Let's read it together. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven... But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me, now underline this, on that day. Many will say to me, on that day, a day in the future. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from you, evildoers. Are you really a follower of Jesus Christ? Those on that day are going to find out whether they are or not. So we want to pay close attention to this. We want to heed our Lord's instruction, his warning. We need to take this text very seriously. Now, we need to take all of Scripture seriously. In Matthew chapter 7, we've been learning how to make wise and good decisions during our pilgrimage on this earth, during our journey. But here the Lord kind of gets to the end of his Sermon on the Mount. We're not quite finished yet, but he wraps it up with, a conclusion concerning a day that's going to come in the future. Ignore it at your peril. But what he's telling us is there's going to be two kinds of people. Which group are you in? If you're following along on the outline, here's point number one. The rule established by Jesus. There's a rule here in this verse that we see. It's not my rule. You can't make up this rule. It's the rule of Christ. We need to pay attention to it as we do all rules. Here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, just by way of terms here, let's define a couple of terms, okay? The first term is the word Lord. 
Now, the word Lord means master or owner, someone who's in control. Jesus is Lord. Whether we like it or not, the Bible tells us he's the Lord over all, over everything. He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows all. He's the Lord. But just because he's the Lord doesn't mean he's your Lord. He might be the Lord. What Jesus is saying here is, is he your Lord? Am I your Lord? The second phrase we see here is the kingdom of heaven. Now, in Matthew's gospel, it's the kingdom of heaven. In the other synoptics, Mark and Luke, it's the kingdom of God. The other gospels, it's the kingdom of God. There's reasons for that, but for our purposes, we just want to say, I like Von Roberts' definition here from his book, uh, The Big Picture. The kingdom of heaven is God's people in God's place under God's rule. It's God's kids. You can be anywhere in the world. But if Jesus is your Lord, you are a member of the kingdom of heaven. So we've established some basic terms here. Lord, master or owner, the kingdom of heaven, God's people, and God's place under God's rule. A biblical definition of the kingdom of heaven would be found in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. It goes like this. You, talking about Christians, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So we're his people and our purpose is to declare praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So in this text of scripture, the kingdom of heaven refers to God's people. Two key phrases, two key terms as we go through the rest of this text. So what Jesus is saying here is the way of salvation into God's kingdom. Is Jesus your Lord? You become a Christian through Christ alone, through grace alone. You place your faith in Jesus Christ. You confess the Lord of your life and you shall be saved. So there's a group of people that he's talking about that are his people. And Jesus is the Lord, master, owner of their lives. They live according to his will. That's what he's saying here. The other key thought that we have going through here is that if you're a child of God, you need to be holy. Because everything in heaven is holy. Everything in heaven is sinless. And if you're on vacation from heaven down here on earth for a season, you need to represent the lifestyle of heaven on earth. That's what God calls you to do. For it says in Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you're choosing to live a holy life. He's in control of your life. You live by his word, his will. You don't get to make up your own rules. So, Jesus is giving us a little instruction here. He's saying that there are going to be some people who use the words of the Christian faith, but their hearts not in the Christian faith. And you got to decide which side of this equation you're on. Are you in the camp that has Jesus as your Lord? Or are you in the camp that says Jesus is my Lord, but he's not really your Lord? You're doing your own thing. And that's what we would call a counterfeit. Or a pretend Christian. They're not Christians at all, but they think that they are. We saw last week when we talked about false prophets, you look at the fruit of their lives. It's not the profession of the faith. What in their life characterizes them as being a believer in Jesus Christ? Are they real or false? That's part of the discerning spirit that every Christian should have. In 1 John chapter, five verses, uh, verses, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, we see three claims that these folks that profess Jesus to be their Lord make. 
First, in verse 6, if someone claims to have fellowship with God, yet walks in the darkness, they lie and don't live by the truth. In other words, they call themselves a Christian, but there's nothing in their life that shows that. Secondly, if they claim they're without sin, they deceive themselves and the truth is not in them. They, they live in darkness and I need, I'm not sinning. And thirdly, if they claim they've never sinned, they make God out to be a liar and his word has no place in their lives. So they make these claims about being Christians, but there's absolutely no fruit whatsoever. They say, Lord, Lord, but he's not. They can fool us. <laughs> they're everywhere. But it's not my job to discern who they are. My job is to preach the truth. On this day, God will tell us who they are and who they're not. God never made me or you the high sheriff of heaven. He is the high sheriff of heaven. And this is a warning. Jesus said, come through this sermon. He's given them all kinds of instruction. He has given them the opportunity to make him Lord of their lives. And they say it, but they don't show it by their lifestyle. And folks, I'll tell you, they're everywhere. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I'm not going to go to that church up there. There's too many hypocrites. I'm doing the same thing they are. They're just wasting an hour on Sunday morning. That's the principle. We would call them fake. Be careful who you call fake without first looking in the mirror. Okay? I'm just reading what Jesus says. There, on the, online, there's a company called Jeremy's Place. Nothing to do with Jeremy Bulls or Jeremy Rooks. Okay? Just for the record. But it's, it's a, a business called Jeremy's Place. And you know what they make? They specialize in fake food. If you get on their website, you can see messes that look like real messes. For example, spilled fingernail polish. You can pick it up. You've probably seen some of this. Ice cream that's melted and spilled. A pool of coffee underneath a, a cup of latte or something. A ketchup packet that's been opened and the ketchup is everywhere. And you look at these things and you say, what a mess. But, but they're intended to be fake, right? But what some people do is, they, and they promote this on their website, they have a, a pretty terrible motive. This is how, they say, you can reserve a table at a crowded restaurant. Before you get there, if you see a line, take this product Spilled coffee, spilled fingernail polish, the mess of food. And you go put it on the table, then go get in line. And people will avoid that table because they don't want to sit where there's a mess. The fake gets you what you want. And that's what many Christians do. They fake being Christians so they can get what they want. Here's the simple rule. They say Jesus is their Lord, but in reality, they are the Lord of their lives. They're in control of their lives. They're the master of their lives. You can fool people, Jesus is saying, but you can't fool God. You just can't do it. They say, Lord, Lord, and notice they say it twice. A little bit of urgency here. They got to convince you. Yeah, he's, he's my Lord. He's my Lord. But he's not their master. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 1, I tell you the truth, a man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. They are stealing the title of Christian, but they're not a Christian. Are you 
under the lordship of Jesus Christ? Is he the Lord of your life? Are you doing what the word of God says? Or are you making up your own rules? Point number two. The reasons explained to Jesus. Now again, we're going to the folks that are saying, Lord, Lord, but Jesus isn't their Lord. They got to justify their actions. And remember, Jesus is saying this a couple of thousand years ago. The principle remains true because the word of God is eternal. Look what it says in verse 22. Many. Now, we just saw this word a few weeks ago when we talked about the narrow and the wide gates. The Bible says that wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. This is a lot of folks here. We're not talking about one or two people. Stop looking at the person next to you. This is the word many. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Many declare they're spiritual. On that day, many will say, when they see the majesty of the splendor of God, the heavens, I mean, it's going to be an eye-opening experience. That word should cause you to sink for a minute. Many? Many will miss heaven. And they think they're on their way to heaven. Not my words, the words of Christ. People are saying, Lord, Lord, but they don't have Jesus as their Lord, Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto men, you and me, everybody, to die and then face the judgment. That's what Jesus is speaking of here. A day that the world says is pie in the sky, perhaps a fable or a legend. Jesus, who does not lie, tells us this is a day that's really going to happen. And many will say to him on that day, Lord, Lord. Some people think they're spiritual, and they're not. And Jesus tells us a little clue here of what they're thinking, okay? They will depend on the supernatural in their lives. Look what it says in verse 22. Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Three categories of what are supernatural activities. In other words, we did this, we should be qualified to be in your kingdom. Shouldn't we? I remember... I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story. One time many years ago, before I met my beautiful wife, I went on a double date with my brother in Texas. I just moved there and he got us to go on a double date. And the, the young, well, she wasn't young. She was a lot older than me. But I'll never forget, we were in the back seat. She found out I was a seminary student. And here was what she said to me when she found out I was a candidate to be a pastor. She said, I had two out-of-body experiences. And I'm thinking, great. She's a spiritual person. She's told me she's had two out-of-body experiences. Let me just tell you, if you're looking to marry somebody, don't say that. Okay? That did not impress me at all. And that's what I was thinking of when I read this passage of Scripture. It's not going to impress Jesus at all. When you tell him, I did prophecy in your, I prophesied in your name, I drove out demons in your name, I performed many miracles. Excuse me? Listen, here's the principle about our Lord. What is supernatural to us is natural to him. He's not impressed by those things. He, he naturally is supernatural. We're not. We're impressed by things that our Lord just, it's common for him. How are you going to impress him with something he is? You can't. Besides, you can't do anything in his name or cast out demons or perform your, in your own flesh. You can do that. You can't do that. Only our Lord can do that. He's not impressed with what, by, what, we're, what we're impressed with. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, all our righteous acts in the Lord's sight are filthy, filthy rags or polluted garments. We don't impress him. 
And that's what these folks are deceived into thinking. Look, I did all this stuff on this earth. You should let me into your kingdom. I'm reminded of the story in Acts chapter 19. Let me, let me just read it to you. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, now here's some renegade preachers walking around, wannabe preachers walking around saying, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit spoke to them and said, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? (laughs) Who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Be careful what you say about the supernatural. It's real. God touches people today in supernatural ways. But he's God and we're not. What these people were doing were they were making excuses to Jesus. Think about that. Jesus, you're wrong about me. So let me convince you why I should get into heaven. The Lord that went to the cross, the Lord that suffered for us, the Lord that was sinless. They're saying to him, you were wrong. This is why I need to get into heaven. All these things, all my credentials, spiritually speaking. I saw this funny illustration when I was in high school. You ever remember Zig Ziglar? Anybody heard of Zig Ziglar? He was this uh, captivating uh, motivational speaker. He had a brother who was a judge. And his brother used to love to tell this story of a fellow, two, two guys that lived next to each other. And the one guy went to this neighbor's house and asked to borrow his lawnmower. And the neighbor explained that he could not let him use the lawnmower because all the flights had been canceled from New York to Los Angeles. And the borrower said, what in the world does the flights being canceled in New York and Los Angeles have to do with anything about me borrowing your lawnmower? To which the judge replied, it doesn't have anything to do with it, but I don't want to let you use my lawnmower, so any excuse will do. Right? Boy, you, that, sorry about that. I like that a whole lot more than y'all did, I guess. My point is, any excuse you think will work. And here are the excuses that these folks are given. Lord, we we prophesied in your name. Cast out demons. We perform many miracles. These are reasons that justify me getting into your heavens. Right? Now, you had all this lifetime to make these decisions. But now, on this day, that chance is over. Now it's time to face the music. Now it's time to face reality. I want you to turn your Bibles real quick to something. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to let you see a parable here that, that's kind of a, an analogous text to what we're reading here. It's a very powerful text, but it's a good launching pad into our final point in this sermon. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take away any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. 
Later the others also came, Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. Let us enter the kingdom of heaven. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. Jesus is saying to those that profess faith in him, what we're about to read in point number three. Here's point number three. A relationship is expected with Jesus. A relationship. It's not about doing supernatural works. It's about your heart. Do you know him? Or better, does he know you? Look what it says in verse 23. These folks are saying, you need to let me into your kingdom because of this, 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 and this. He says, I tell you plainly, no no mincing for words. He just says it straight out. I never knew you. Just underline that phrase, I never knew you. Do you know him? Away from me, you evildoers. Or you can say it like this, depart from me, you lawbreakers. You never let me be the Lord of your life. Here's some things that I wrote down about our relationship with Jesus. If Jesus could say to you things like this, would they apply? You never gave me the right to be the Lord of your life. You ran your whole life like you were God and I wasn't. You constantly broke my law. You never let me change you. You never let me correct your tongue. It's my job to judge, not yours. You claimed supernatural righteousness, but that does absolutely nothing for me. You don't get to make up your own rules. I gave you the rule. I tell you what to do, Jesus says. You don't tell me what to do. I am the Lord, not you. Can you imagine a more sorrowful, somber statement that you could hear than the Lord Jesus Christ saying to us on that day, I never knew you. God help us all if that's the case. Do you know him? I love this little quote from David Jeremiah's study Bible. Look at it at the bottom of your outline. Someday, every person, you, me, everyone, will stand before God in judgment. And the reality of every person's relationship with Jesus Christ will be revealed. Without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, religious words and religious ways, such as attending church, filling positions of leadership, and performing good works, have no value. It's about relationship, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, that you may know him. John 14, 6 through 10, if you really knew me, you would know my father's will. How well do you know him? Do you trust him to be the Lord of your life, to change you and transform you, or are you going to live by your own rules? He says, depart from me, you lawbreakers. You broke my law because you liked yours more. You see, when you have this day in mind, it'll change the way you live today. Jesus is building up to this text through all the instruction that he has given us so that you and I will make decisions with eternity in mind. That this day will be in mind. You can fool people. You can't fool the Lord. Some have said that on this day, every secret will be revealed. I don't know if that's the case. I know the text says that in other, other places. But that enough is a deterrent, isn't it? To live a life that is pure and holy. I'll close with this story because I love it. I, I love guitar. I play a little guitar. As I get older, it gets a little harder. The fingers get a little more stiff. But I don't care what kind of guitar it is. I, when I was a kid, I, I followed Kiss. You ever heard of Kiss, the rock group? God saved me somehow through that mess. Okay? Eddie Van Halen was just a phenomenon. 
a shooting star in the world of guitar playing, but I don't care what it is, rock, you know, classical, Spanish guitar. I'm fascinated. I, I saw a guy playing this like 12-string, 24-string guitar one time. Like, how does he do that? It just fascinates me. And it's so beautiful. I love to watch guitar players play the guitar. Many years ago, I saw a guy by the name of Christopher Parkening. You ever heard of Christopher Parkening? He was considered the world's greatest virtuoso on guitar. And you can see him on YouTube. Unbelievable. He will make you want to take the guitar and burn it. Because you just, you'll never get to that level of proficiency. Incredible. Well, here's his story. By age 30, I'd achieved all of my dreams in the musical world. But I was tired of hotel rooms, performances, and recording sessions. It was time to go fishing. So with the money I'd earned, I found my dream stream on a ranch in Montana. I bought the ranch, called my management group at Columbia, and told them I had no desire to play anymore. I'd earned enough money, and I didn't need to work anyway. So for several years, I did exactly what I wanted. But as time went by, now watch this, my life became more empty. You ever have that experience? Your soul gets empty? I have. I find out that when you have everything you thought would make you happy, and it doesn't, you start asking questions like, what's missing? What's missing in my life? While in California visiting friends, I had attended church where I heard a sermon entitled, Examine Yourself Whether You Are in the Faith. It's kind of the same thing we're talking about today. The preacher said that you could know all about Christ, the Bible, even pray to God, and Jesus could still say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. I was convinced if I had died that night, Jesus would have spoken those words to me. So I walked down the aisle, surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, and was baptized. I read the Bible when I was a kid, but I never wanted a Lord to obey unconditionally. So I went home that day broken over my selfish ways. That night I couldn't sleep, so I got up and started reading the Bible and developed a great hunger for the Word of God. Soon I came across 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, and said, that said, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. I realized there was only two things that I knew how to do. Play guitar and fly fish. So I began playing the guitar for God's glory. And that's when I began to tell my students at Pepperdine, where I now teach, I now have a peace and joy unspeakable that I never had before. My life had purpose, and I've learned the true secret of genuine happiness. Have you? If you get on the Pepperdine website, you can see his testimony there. Here's the world's greatest guitar player. Unbelievable guitar player. Living for Jesus Christ. Playing all the great hymns of the faith prior to coming to faith in Christ. And now he knows why. He knows him. He knows him. And everything he does is not for his glory, but for the glory of the Lord. On that day, you'll get to see Pastor Jeff with all of his warts and perhaps a couple, two or three achievements. On that day, we'll get to see each other. And Jesus will tell us plainly, I knew you or I didn't know you. What would he say to you? You can fool people, but you can't fool the Lord. If you know him, let him use you for his glory. Whatever talents he's given you, use them for his glory. What an amazing God we serve. In just a moment, if the Lord spoke to your heart through this message after we pray, it's time to do business with the Lord now. 
so you don't have to do business on that day. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray for those that don't. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he hasn't been the Lord of your life. Today is the day to make him the Lord of your life. You obey what he tells you to do. Let's pray.